What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fourverse Pod. My name is Rohan. Today I'm joined by Ashvin, and it's been a while, but Trace is finally on the pod. What's going on, guys? Not much, not much. How's it going? Happy to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy to have you back. But, uh, you know, Niners took care of business against the Cowboys in the divisional round, 19-12. to Hard-fought, gritty game, and they are moving on to the NFC Championship in less than eight hours um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, going to Philly. So that's going to be a dogfight. Um, you know, just to recap the Dallas game a little bit, we can talk about it. I mean, Dak threw two interceptions, which turned out to be basically the turning point of the game. We had the one turnover with Ray Ray uh, fumbling on the punt return, but he made up for it with a you know 53-yard return in the second half. But I think overall, my only concern with this game was that, I mean, we knew Dallas' defense was really good, and they are very good against the run. Um, but we Christian McCaffrey was a little bit banged up in the second half. And Elijah Mitchell took a boatload of the carries in, um, in the second half as well. But I feel like we just weren't able to establish the run game as much. And I feel like that's something we're, we're going to need to at least try to do against Philly. You know, Kyle Shan has always said that if he's able to run the ball 40 times in a game, that would be his dream and is like basically success plan to win. Uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to in this game. But other than that, I mean, Purdy looked a little shaky in the first half again, but I'd say he bounced back. Kittle was definitely the MVP offensively. And, uh, you know, he had close to 100 yards. I think this might be his best playoff game ever, we could say that. Uh, And he had that great one-handed catch of the second half, which I feel like turned the momentum a little bit offensively. Um, But other than that, I mean, defense balled out as usual. I was, it got a little close at the end, but we know how Mike McCarthy teams are. Like they'll, like we said this last week, the choke was inevitable, right? And I feel like they just never established their rhythm. I think Tony Pollard getting hurt in the, towards the end of the first half was a big point about that, but Overall, pretty pleased with this game. Very happy with the defense. I would say only thing I would improvement I want to see is just better run game, but it's going to be tough because Philly has a great defense as well. So any thoughts from the game before we move on to the preview of Philly? Yeah, for me, like, you know, the, I, I knew it was going to be difficult to establish run, mainly because Dallas on the edges are super fast. And the 49ers run game is at its best when they can establish the edge with McCaffrey, with Elijah, and with Debo. Right. So when they couldn't establish the edge early on, you kind of saw some struggles where like they couldn't bounce it outside because of the speed of the Dallas defense, which is not really as big of a concern with Philly. Right. They're not as fast and as dynamic as Dallas is. That being said, the second half, we kind of saw the run game get going a little right. That one monster drive, obviously fueled by the Kittle catch, took up seven minutes and basically all ground game straight up the middle, uh, relying on the interior de- uh, interior offensive lineman. We know Burford got benched in this game. So it was mainly Brunskill all the way through. They just powered it through in the middle with Brendel, Banks, Burford, and Williams and McGlinchey, right? They just kind of relied on that, and they went straight up the gut with Caffrey, with Elijah Mitchell, and that worked. I mean, they were able to get like three, four yards pop each time, and that kind of helped them get down the field, and then we saw the score, right? So that's going to be the key, right? Like, can you establish the edge in this game? And if you can't, they need to pivot faster than you did against Dallas. Because it took Kyle basically an entire two and a half quarters to change up his plan of running outside and changing it to running inside, right? So I hope I can see that a little bit quicker. Other than that, really, this game went exactly the way I thought it would, really. I really thought both offenses would struggle. I had a good feeling that the Niners' defense was going to show up and a good feeling that Dallas' defense was going to show up, too, and they both did. It was a good, hard-fought game. Uh, But honestly, you just got to forget about it now. Whatever you did that game, you throw it out the window, right? Each playoffs is a new game. Like, you're 0-0 at the start of every playoff week. You haven't won one, you haven't lost one, you just got to win the next one. So, uh, for me, I think I'll let Shreys go for his thoughts on the Cowboys game, but I'm mostly looking forward to talking about next week, or, well, now a day. So, it's it's getting to that time. Yeah, I agree with you guys on on pretty much all the points you've said. You know, I think um, I, you guys were, were definitely a little more optimistic about our defense than I was. Um, I was worried that we wouldn't be able to necessarily score to keep up with the Cowboys if they were having a good day. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's important, you know, we know our identity as a team, we're a running team, primarily an outside running team to run some inside to mix it up. But I feel like this game was, was crucial to this playoff run in that, you know, we clearly couldn't execute our primary game plan. Right. And we found a way to win and, you know, yeah, like things, people were shaky, things happened, but at the end of the day, like Oshman said, it's the playoffs, like winning doesn't matter how you win as long as at the end of the game, the scoreboard has more points under your team name than the other one. So that being said, though, I think the Eagles present a 
a very different challenge than the teams we've faced thus far. Yeah, I mean, we can get into it, right? So a little less than 48 hours till game time. And, you know, this is this is a team which I believe we don't match up well against, honestly. I think we've all known that going into this, going into the playoffs for sure, that was the biggest concern. You have Jalen Hurts, a mobile quarterback, who the 49ers defense has historically struggled against, right? They're not great against mobile QBs for years now. I feel like ever since we've, we've been really watching football when we were younger, it just seems like the defense, who, whatever re, uh, regime it's under, they can't figure out these mobile quarterbacks. So it's going to be crucial to keep Jalen Hurts behind the line of scrimmage. I'd say running back, we have the advantage for sure. McCaffrey, uh, you know, I think he had a full practice today, but he was kind of limited in practice or did not practice earlier this week. But he said he's good to go 100% playing. But my question is, you know, how how healthy is he going to be? How healthy is Elijah Mitchell going to be? Is Elijah going to play him? I expect them to be either like probably bring up Tevin Coleman um, and maybe some Jordan Mason uh, yard carries. But as a little, so one thing I'm definitely concerned about is the health of our two primary running backs going to speak. And then you have the Eagles receivers, right? Two-headed monster with A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith. And, you know, I, I think I don't know who's going to shadow who because, you know, they, even in the, in the playoffs, Lenore and um, Mooney Ward switched off on DK and CD as the number one guys for the opposing team. So I, I'd, I'd say I expect a mix between the matchups, but that is something I'm definitely worried about because both of these guys could be number one receivers on any team, honestly. Um, so, and AJ Brown, if you guys remember last season, obviously it's a different team and their corners were a lot worse, but he torched us when he was on the Titans um, December, 2021. Uh, so that's the main thing I'm concerned about defensively. And then the Eagles have a great offensive line. I say that their offensive line is definitely better. Than, it's like basically all pro bowlers and all pros. They're definitely better than us, but I think this game's going to be one in the trenches. Their D line is very good too. They have the most, they had the most sacks in the league this year. But uh, um, I'll still take our defense over theirs. I think for yards per game allowed, we're first and they're second. So this is really going to be a dogfight. I'm expecting another low-scoring game, but I definitely am a little bit more worried going into this game um, than the Dallas game because we know how Dallas plays, and I feel like we could take advantage of Dak's mistakes, but I don't know if Philly's going to make as many mistakes. I really think – I think I was talking to Trace about this yesterday too. It's going to be like a game-changing turnover – or like a scoop and score for this game to really flip. I really think we need that in order to win this game. I think it's just a fascinating matchup, right? I think these are the two best rosters in the league. Like, I think if you bar quarterback, like these are the two best teams in the NFL, right? And obviously, I mean, you cannot eliminate the quarterback. But my point is, like, these two rosters are completely loaded on both sides of the ball. There's all pros all up and down the field. I think the most cool thing with this game is that it's a strength-on-strength matchup. Right. What the Eagles do best offensively is run the football. Their rushing attack with Hertz and Sanders and Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and that offensive line, which I agree, I think is the best offensive line in football. That is the strength of their team. The strength of the 49ers team is stopping the run. Are the we are the number one rush defense in the entire NFL? Right. So strength on strength is kind of what fascinates me about this game. It's like who's going to win out? Is the Eagles O-line going to win out? And is Sanders going to get a bunch of yards and Hertz going to get a bunch of yards? Or ours, is our defensive line going to step up? Is, is Bosa going to come to play? Is Kinlaw going to come to play? Is Armstead going to come to play? Right? So all these things are factors on that side of the football. I think where the Niners can kind of exploit them a little bit is on the other side of the ball. I think the Niners' offense is a little bit better than the Eagles' defense, which seems absurd to say because the Eagles' D-line has 70 sacks, and that's the most since like 03, 04, some wild stat like that. Right? The thing is, it's like 30 of their sacks have come in four games. Which, so forget, like, like the fact that that's an absurd amount. If they go 40 sacks in 14 games, that's still impressive, right? So this is a great defensive line. Hassan Reddick, uh, they have Sue as well. They have Fletcher Cox, obviously a legend. Jordan Davis, a run stuffer. Uh, the thing that you can exploit them is, is, like, the running game. Like, the Eagles' rush defense is 24th in yards per carries. They're 21 by DVOA. They're 23 by EPA per play. They're 24 by success rate and 22nd in adjusted yards, adjusted line yard given up, right? And then if you just go weeks one through nine, they were number three in defensive DVOA. The last seven weeks, they've been number 13, right? So there is an area where the Niners can exploit. The great thing is our head coach is an offensive guy. He's one of the best offensive play callers ever. And this offense has been humming up until last week. So I do think the Dallas defense was a little bit better than Eagles defense, 
It's going to be about how our offensive line holds up. Are we able to run the football against a mainly a pass rushing unit, not really a run stuffing unit? So it's it's an interesting game, man. I really don't know which way it's going to go. The Eagles because you know there's some factors like going on the road. Purdy, it's only his third ever road start. I think that's interesting. Like he's played a bunch of his games at home, which is obviously better. Like he has won both his road games, but still, going to Philly is a different beast, especially in in this atmosphere, like NFC Championship game. Those fans are going to be rocking out. Um, so I don't really want to make a pick, honestly. I, I really don't know which way it's going to go. I hope we win it, man. But I think the most cool part about this game is how good both of these teams are and how it's strength on strength. Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of the points you guys mentioned. And, you know, I'm not going to waste any of our time talking about the best way to stop Jalen Hurts because we know you have to set the edge. You have to prevent those read option looks. We know that our team is not going to do that. No matter what kind of quarterback we're playing, we like to try and get to the quarterback. We try, we like to try and collapse the pocket, which is why we struggle so mightily against running quarterbacks because we collapse the pocket. They just run, run past you. Right. It's, it's very simple. And, you know, I feel like honestly, the I'm, I'm worried about the Eagles offense. Like, yes, our defense is, is up there, but against mobile quarterbacks, I mean, look, we watched Marcus Mariota, shred our team a few weeks ago in Atlanta. I and there I, I just I like first like I'll, I'll let you finish but my main thing is is there a team that does not struggle against bubble quarterbacks? I guess that's oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's also fair. the but defense was hurt that game. There's a there, lot there, of there there are, game I think is a throwaway. I mean we had nobody that's playing. fair. Every team generally does struggle against running quarterbacks. The problem is that we for some reason don't adapt our defensive game plan to running quarterbacks, which other teams do. Yeah. to limit the damage, which, which is fine. Like, we're not going to waste time talking about that because we know that Jalen Hurts is going to get some yardage. I think what it comes down to, like you alluded to, Ashvin, I don't think we're going to have much success running inside. All right, they, They've got that big boy from Georgia anchoring that, that D-line. I think what's going to come down to is whether we can run those outside plays on first and second down, get enough yardage to where we can get third and short, third and manageable. Because if, you, if, you, if you're telling me that you expect Brock Purdy on the road in the NFC championship game to regularly convert third and sevens, third and eights. We're, if, if he's in that position, we're going to lose this game, All right? We've got to get it down to where it's third and two, third and three, if at all. And I feel like that's where the battle is going to be won is can we get those third and shorts, third and manageables? Can we convert them? Because you look at Brock Purdy, right? And everyone's, you know, hyping him up and don't get me wrong. He's, he's a hell of a player, fantastic poise. Um, the thing is though, if you look at his throwing chart, he throws the exact same passes as Jimmy Garoppolo, just with better accuracy, of course. He's more mobile, and he's um, has more poise under pressure. But you can't be expecting him to convert these third and longs because the only place he can throw the ball is the middle of the field. He's not going to throw outside the number. He's not going to throw a corner. He's not going to throw anything towards the sidelines. Like You've got to get him in a position where he can play to his strength, which is handing the ball off, completing those short passes, play action, that sort of thing. So I feel like that's where – that's got to be our game plan to win this game. And, that, and that's the thing, right, Scott? Kyle has schemed him up for the most part through these, what, almost two months. I feel like, especially I'd say the last month, Kyle has done a lot better job of, you know, adjusting to Brock Purdy's abilities. I mean, he knows like, – like you said, Trace, he does have the similar, um, you know, throw patterns as Jimmy Garoppolo, like where he throws it in the field. But the difference is he's mo more mobile. He'll throw it away. He won't take a sack that often, you know. So he doesn't have happy feet like Jimmy does, honestly. So that that's the one thing. But I feel like Kyle has shown, especially in this last month, that he's capable of scheming it up, even for a guy like Brock Purdy, who no one thought would do this. So he's been putting him in good positions so far, and I'll continue to trust Kyle. But I do agree with you that if it's consistently third and long, you know, third and seven, third and eight, third and ten, every time it's going to be a struggle, which is why we need to establish the run game. And like Ashman said, Philly isn't the best run defense, even though their, their D line is insane. They're more of a pass rushing defense. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell's health, but if they say they're good to go, they say they're good to go. But I think we need like close to 40 rush attempts on the ground in order to win this game. I think that's controlling the pace is going to be a, a big thing because Philly can score in bunches as well. And they have, I think, Ashwin said that he trusts our offense more than – wait, did you say that? that more than the Philly defense? But I'd say I think, that – I think as a unit, the 49ers offense is better than the Eagles defense as a unit. 
if that makes sense. Okay, okay, that's fair. But my thing, one of my keys to the game, at least, is like keeping the Philly offense off the field. Um, because I think if we have the higher time of possession, barring any turnovers, we should win this game because that means we're dominating the run game. Um, you know, we're picking up first downs. Brock Perry's not turning the ball over. So I think time of possession is going to be a huge factor in this. And that leads back to guys like Elijah, CMC, and Debo, who are hopefully going to be getting the lion's share of the run yards, right? Um, so that's what I'm hoping for. That's my major key to this game. I'm not too worried about our – I mean, I am worried about the Philly offense, but I trust our defense enough that they can at least limit it, right? But I do want them off the field as much as possible. So time of possession is huge. I think that's important mainly because, like, the way Philly plays offense is so bruising, right? They will hit you run, 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 run. And that's exactly how you tire a defense out, especially especially when there's a, a run defense as good as the 49ers is, right? If you keep running it down their throat, eventually the defense is going to wear down, right? And that's why it's so important to keep them off the field. If you can get a three and out, that would be huge, right? So one thing I really want to quickly talk about is, like, the concerns with the 49ers against running quarterbacks. A um, little bit of a fallacy. I think I think they definitely struggle when quarterbacks go off script and scramble around. Against designed runs, they're number one in yards per, per attempt, allowing only 2.6, right? So a lot of the Eagles running attack with Hurts is designed runs. So I think you'll see Philly. Philly has a great coaching staff as well, right? I, I'm not a big Sirianni guy, but I think their their coordinators are very good, like Shane Steichen uh, and Jonathan Gannon, both interviewing for head coaching positions. So Shane Steichen will have a plan. I think you you will not see as many Hurts QB design runs, mainly because he's injured, and the 49ers are very good at stopping that. I think you'll see a lot more off script from, from Jalen Hurts uh, you'll see a lot more relying on their offensive line to get the run game going, activating play action, and he can option around around there. So I think that's something you'll see. Another thing, obviously, like Shreya said, like getting pressure is going to be the most important thing, right? So like Hertz is 17th in EPA per play and 16th in pass rating under pressure and against zone. So if you can generate pressure while being able to stay in zone, that would be huge. And that's, I mean, that's the key to winning any football game ever, but especially in this one where the offense is so good. The Eagles' offense is fantastic, and they're even better against man because Devontae Smith is a game-breaker with his speed, and A.J. Brown is just a physical freak of nature. So if you can stay in zone and you can generate pressure, that's your key to winning this game. I would feel a lot better, though, if this was at home. I think we can all agree on that. Like, if the Niners are at home, I, I would yeah. pick Philly is 100%. off place. And, yeah, to, to, what, to what you said, Ashvin, I feel like the you know looking at the Eagles' O-line versus our D-line, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure that we'll win more battles than I'm saying we will, just because that all, that happens every week. But I feel like the matchup to spotlight is Bosa is going up against Jordan Mailata, who ranked, I believe, 56th out of 62 possible players in his position. Yeah, he's the weak so, link on that offensive line. He is the weak, and he's good too, which is which is bizarre. Like, he's a former All Pro Pro Bowl player, and he's the weakest link there. Yeah, and I, I yeah, which is crazy. I feel like this season he's kind of had like a little bit of a drop off, but I think you know that that kind of puts the Eagles in this situation, right? It's I think what has to happen for our D line to get to work without us needing to bring additional rushers is we got to get Nick Bosa involved early, right? He's got to have a couple of hurries, a hit, a couple of hits in that early in the first quarter. Just let them know he's there because then you know if you're the Eagles, you start thinking about do we double him? If you double him. That opens up lanes for Armstead on the inside to try and run a stunt, get them to the, get them to Jalen Hurts if he's dropping back the pass. And, you know, I, I feel like if Nick Bosa doesn't get in there early, then they're going to feel like they can just that, that Jalen Hurts can just drop back and sit there because, you know, our defense, right? We're not going to bring we're not going to bring five, six guys like regularly. Right. We like to rush with our four and that's it. And so I feel like we've got to do we got to do that. Nick Bosa has got to show his his quality here. What do you guys think of Bosa's game last week? I mean, I know he didn't record a sack, but there were times where I thought he beat Tyron Smith a couple of times and just was like a couple steps away from getting to Dak. But I think his performance last week has been a little bit criticized just because he didn't record a sack and was his name wasn't called that much. But I don't think he played like that underwhelming, to be honest. I feel like, you know. They're doubling him a lot. And yeah. not only that, like you're going up against a Hall of Fame, all pro level left tackle who's now playing right. Right. Tyron Smith is not a crazy at all. So he's one of the best left tackles to ever play. Straight up. He 
for this generation, he might be right behind Trent Williams. So he's he's great, and he I'm not gonna lie, he did have Bosa looking locked up a couple times, but that's gonna happen to any pass rusher, right? Like you're gonna have some bad reps, and that's fine, right? He can have some bad reps against Mylotta too, where he gets chipped and he just can't recover in time, and Hurts gets the ball out quickly. Um, but I think, see, my thing is with big game, big, big time players like this, defensive player of the year, like he's gonna have a moment, right? Like even in the Seahawks game, he didn't necessarily have the best effort. Like Omenahi was actually better. But Bosa, Bosa uh, recovered the fumble, right? That's what I'm talking about. Like, big-time players have big-time moments in big-time games. So he's going to have to come through with one. And straight up, like, I don't think his playoff performance has, has been as good as his regular season, which is fine because there's more pressure on him and there's there's a lot more attention on him than, like, in a regular, regular season game. But at some point, you got to show up. And I think he will. I'm not worried about Nick Bosa, really. If you had to – if you ask me from a level 1 to 10 how concerned I am about the Niners' defense – I would say six, seven, maybe eight. But for Nick Bosa, I would say zero. I think he's going to be consistent. He does what he does. He's in the best shape of anybody in the entire league. And he comes to play every single snap. So not worried about that guy at all. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I think, you know, one thing the Cowboys kind of messed up by doing is they kind of bought into this whole narrative of like, oh, Nick Bosa is the 49ers defense, which, you know, so they kind of committed to stopping him. But if you really, if you go back and look at the game, right, he was involved despite being doubled, like Oshman said, by by two very good players. Like he was, he still had, I believe, at least two hurries and at least one hit, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Which that that right there is is involvement, and that that's up that's going up against two guys, right? Like he like the I think last game our our interior linemen didn't play as well as they could have because. All they have to do at that point is beat their guy and they and they get to Dak. And they weren't able to do that, right? They weren't able to beat those Cowboys interior linemen. So I feel like, you know, I, I really don't even think he he had a bad game, honestly. Like I agree that, yeah, in the playoffs his production dips, but but I think that's more of a symptom of teams honing in on him and and putting a running back out there to chip him, putting in that tight end to to double him. Uh as opposed to him just like not playing as hard. Cause we know that he loves the game. We know that, that he loves playing it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a similar output this week to last week, but I I'll look to our interior linemen to, to do some more, generate more hurries, get some more hits, um, or at the very least, like, you know, just limit the impact that Jalen Hurts can have on the game because he's a game changer. Yeah, definitely. I think, in order to win this game, they really need to generate pressure for sure. So Eagles O-line is great, but let's trust in our defense for sure. But before we move on to the next uh, Bill, not Bill, sorry, Bengals-Chiefs game, uh, score prediction, I'm going to say 23-21. It's going to be close. Um, I think CMC gets close to 100 yards, maybe 100 yards and a touchdown for sure. And I think one turnover for the defense, whether that's a fumble or a pick, but it's going to be a game-changing one. I'll say 23-21 Niners. No way I'm picking against them at this point. Like, we're too far in. Um, So, for me, right, like, one last key, really, before before I get to my score prediction, not only generating pressure, uh, but keeping him specifically behind the line of scrimmage. If you can do that, Definitely. and you force him to make throws, you have a chance, right? You have a shot. And you have to play zone against this team. You cannot man up those two receivers, because they will kill you. And they have Goddard. And they have a bunch of other guys like they have small weapons at Quez Watkins Quez Watkins as well yeah I mean Quez Watkins caught like a 90 yard catch against the Niners last year right so I think the Niners are a better coach team I think the roster outside of quarterback is a little bit better the quarterback matchup worries me I'm not gonna lie I think Purdy's great really I think he's an upgrade over Garoppolo I think he's better than Lance right now like I think he's awesome I think he's had an incredible run but it's hard for me to pick him on the road. Like, I just can't get there in my head. Like, I'm I'm going to pick them because I have to and because they're my favorite team, and I'll, I won't pick against them. But it's hard to get there, man. Like, I We're too up, deep into it now, Ashton. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's hard to get there, though. Like, do you guys agree with me? Like, it's hard yeah, to yeah. envision no, them. I, like, I agree. This game this, in Philly. Definitely the hardest game we've played by far. I'm telling you, if they were at home, I'd pick them by a touchdown. I feel like this is a better team. I feel like they're this is a team of destiny. Um, I will go... 24-24 Niners win. I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, but it's hard for me to, like, if I was being honest, if you have to give me a, the truth serum, I think I'd probably lean Eagles, but 24-24 Niners win. Yeah, so, I, you know, what you just said, Ashvin, that's what I was trying to say earlier about us watching Marcus Mariota. I wasn't saying because of the players. 
the way that our system, our defensive system is designed is we want to collapse the pocket as soon as we can, which means there's no pocket integrity, which means if you're a running quarterback, that's, that's great for you because if the, the, the left defensive end is all the way on the right side of the pocket, suddenly you have that beautiful lane opening up on your side. That's my point, right? I don't think we're going to be able to do that because we don't play like that. Our defense isn't coached like that. We're not coached to play with pocket integrity against mobile quarterbacks. So we don't. Our only bet is our, our safe bet is to try and generate pressure with our line. And if we sack him, we sack him. If he takes off, we try to limit the damage. That's just how we play against mobile quarterbacks. And like you said, because of that, I just I feel like if Jalen Hurts is, is, is healthy enough to, to be confident taking these going off on these runs, I don't think we're going to be able to stop that. And uh, on the limited time I was on the pod, I always bet against our team and we won. So I'm going to continue to do that again. I think that we lose this game 21-17 because of some Jalen Hurts magic at the end of the game. All right, hoping for a strange jinx here. One thing I will say is, like, Jalen Hurts, like, I think he's really good, don't get me wrong. I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he would be my MVP pick. He's never been in this situation either. Right, like, a lot of the Purdy talk has been, oh, this guy, he only has this many starts. He's never been in this position. Neither has Hurts, like. Hurts played a national championship game, and I'll give him that. He's been in big college games. Um, but so is Purdy. I mean, maybe not a national championship level, but you play in the Big 12, you're going to play big road games. You're going to play big rivalry games. He's been to Texas in a raucous crowd. He's been to Oklahoma in a raucous crowd. I'm not comparing it to what Hurts has played in, but all I will say is that Jalen Hurts, like, he's got to prove it too. It's, this is not Brock Purdy alone. Like, Hurts has to prove some stuff too. That's true. Yeah, and I, I love Jalen. I like him coming out of college. But you're right. He's like basically in the same position. This is his first NFC championship game, too. But definitely the better quarterback, but we will see. We will see. So uh, you know, 330 Eastern or three is it three Eastern? Yeah, three, three Eastern kickoff. So early game. We will see. Less than 48 hours, but looking forward to it. Moving on to the other game, AFC Championship, Bengals Chiefs. Obviously, the elephant in the room is Patrick Mahomes' ankle. You know, basically not it didn't snap, but um who fell on it but it didn't look good when he came out i didn't think he was going to return i don't know what they gave him at halftime but some kind of tranquilizer and he balled out uh, not balled out is, a, is an exaggeration but for what he did with that ankle i didn't think he was going to be able to continue the game props to him and they ended up you know beating the jags who to be fair the chiefs are definitely the better team but the jags kept it close and i'll give Mahomes credit where credit's due but now the bengals are coming into town Obviously, Burrow, you know, the famous statistic, he's 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes in his career. The Chiefs are favored by one and a half. So, you know, the books are leaning a little bit to the Bengals at this point, even though it's at uh, Kansas City. Really a pick them at this point. But, you know, I think the books do love the Bengals in this scenario. And I'm kind of conflicted on this because I don't know how healthy Mahomes is going to be. He's definitely going to play. And I do think he'll show out. I just don't know if how his mo- if his mobility is going to be limited, but that dude makes crazy throws everywhere, right? So Mike, I think I'm looking at it right now, and offensively, obviously, this is like basically the best team in the league. They're first in points per game, first in total yards per game, first in pass yards per game. Isaiah Pacheco has been a great pick for them, you know, beating Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the running back depth chart, giving them a little bit of spark throughout the season. So I like him as well. Um, but on the other side of the ball, you do have Burrow who has dominated Mahomes since he's been in the league. And I feel like other than Travis Kelsey, I'll take the Bengals weapons any day over the Chiefs. Um, they're both the defenses, they're not bad defenses, but they don't compare at all to, you know, the Niners and the Eagles, obviously, right? You know, they're the Chiefs are eleventh and eleven yards per game, and I think the Bengals are like middle of the pack, fifteenth or sixteenth. But this is definitely gonna be a quarterback battle. And right now I think Burrow, the way he played in Buffalo last weekend, I picked the Bills. I forgot Ashwin picked the Bills too. Um, Shreyas, I don't know what you were on, but we all had, other than Rishi, we all had the Bills, and I feel like he stepped up in that moment. No, I, I had the, the Bills, Bills as well, yeah. Yeah, the Bills shrink, honestly. I, I thought this was their year. I was definitely wrong. So props to the Bengals and props to Mahomes. Zach Taylor is a great, phenomenal coach, but the question is, who's going to win the, who's going to win the passing battle, right? And I'm leaning towards Burrow right now. I think this is not going to be a high-scoring game, but I think it'll definitely be more high-scoring than the Niners game. I could see it going into the 30s for sure. Um, I would take the over if you can even tease that down. If you want to do like a Bengals, I would do a Bengals 
spread plus the over teaser. But with regards to this game, um, I'm leaning the Bengals. What about you guys? I mean, it just it it, it feels inevitable that the Chiefs are somehow going to come back at the end of the game and Mahomes is going to have his magic moment as usual. But all signs right now are pointing me towards the Bengals. Well, earlier this week, the line was uh, Chiefs plus one. And I was like, I know he's hurt, but like you're gonna give me you're gonna give me Mahomes as an underdog at home. I'm gonna take that every single time, right? Like even if it's only one point. Um, but yeah, I'm sticking with that. I think I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Um, I know I've been fading the Bengals all year, kind of. Don't get me wrong, I like the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow a lot. I think it's getting a little much though. Like the the media attention on the Bengals has been nauseating almost. Like it's it's getting too much, man. Like I get it, Joe Burrow's cool. Like. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, like we get it, right? He's a cool guy. Everything's awesome. Like he's winning games. Patrick Mahomes still better. Um, Patrick Mahomes on one leg. I don't know if he's better. Really depends on health. If Mahomes is even fifty percent, I like the Chiefs, and that's because I like the Chiefs' defense a little more than the Bengals' defense in big games. I think Steve Spagnuolo is a great coordinator in the playoffs. In the regular season, he mails it in a little because he knows he has an offense that can go and score 35, 40 any game, right? But on in the playoffs, he's always come up big. Uh, he had T. Law looking lost last week. Uh, he's done it to the Niners before. He's done it to pretty much everyone before. Um, so I'm going to take the Chiefs. I don't really have a concrete reason other than the fact that I don't think past performance is an indicator of future success. So the fact that Burroughs 3-0 against him doesn't bother me. I don't necessarily believe in that, like, you know, he owns Mahomes or whatever. Like, I think it's just been kind of circumstances. I think Patrick choked last year and this year. Did they play this year? I don't think they did. Right? Yeah, they did. They did. They, they lost. Okay, then, I mean, for me, it's just like I it just was the same week as the Dolphins. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, I'll take the Chiefs. I don't think the three zero matters to me that much. I also saw a video today where the Cincinnati owner asked Joe Burrow for uh, paternity papers because he's uh, Patrick Mahomes' father. That's pretty funny. That's, that's <laughs> funny, but uh, I don't think it's gonna be all that. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Chiefs. I think it's gonna be like thirty five. 27. Look, I'll say this. This is definitely not a defensive matchup, like you said, but I think the keys in this game are going to come down to defense just because the Bengals are missing three starters on their O-line. The Chiefs O-line is pretty average to begin with, but, you know, I I feel like people have kind of, like Oshman said, people have just been kind of overhyping the Bengals for the second half of the season. They started the season pretty poorly because their O-line couldn't defend my grandmother with her walking stick trying to sack Joe Burrow. Like, th- their O-line was, was doing nothing. And, you know, I feel like that's going to be a key to the game here is if the, the replacement O-line for the Bengals, like, who's going to show up, right? If nobody shows up, the Chiefs can just get home and, you know, make a couple of plays. That's all they need. They just need that window. And for Patty Mahomes, the injury was terrible, like, I wouldn't be surprised if after the season's over, he comes out and says that his ankle is actually broken. Like if he has a micro fracture of some sort, I would not be surprised. Um, but like he's, he's Patty Mahomes. There's only a few players in sports where you can look at them and, and talk about how much they want to win games. But Patty Mahomes is one of those guys. And, you know, I feel like he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to where he wants to be. Um and I honestly, I don't see that same conviction from Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, it's a soft thing, but like, I just don't see that same kind of drive from Joe Burrow. And I feel like at the end of the day, like these teams are hard to separate, right? The the, the Bengals have a better, better skill position players. The Chiefs have, I put Patty over Joe. Um, but I think also one X factor that doesn't get, who doesn't get talked about enough is, uh, is Pacheco. I feel like when Patty went down last week, that, that one drive that he was out for, I feel like um, the Chiefs were, were able to effectively run the ball as well. And, you know, they were able to show that when, when they need to, they can hand the ball off and, and he can he can go get some some yards. So I feel like that's going to be big. The running backs are going to play a part in this game. Uh, I'm going to go with Oshman here. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, I can't bet against Patty Mahomes. Um, but I think it's going to be close. I think this game might be uh, – might have the uh, – it would be the first game, I think, with the with the new playoff overtime rules. I have a feeling this one's going that way, uh, just because four of the last five AFC championships, if I'm not mistaken, went to overtime. Or no, three of the last four AFC championships went to overtime. 
Uh, so I have a feeling this one's going to follow as well, but uh, I got to pick the Chiefs. I'll, I'll, do, I'll counter a little bit on both of you guys' points. Like, obviously, the Bengals aligned at the beginning of the year. I agree. They were really struggling. And that was the main thing which they wanted to change in the offseason, right? They basically felt like they lost the Super Bowl because their O-line sold at the worst moment. Um, and then they didn't really do anything to help that. But I will say in the last month, I've noticed that they've at least been playable. They looked pretty good against the Bills last week. Um, and I know the Bills like kind of collapsed the worst moment as well. But credit to credit where credit's due. And I feel like the Bengals O-line did show up in a big moment. I don't know if they can do that against Chris Jones and the rest of the Chiefs D-line, but um, I don't know if it'll be as big of a factor as we think it is because of their poor performance in the beginning of the season. Another thing I will say is that, like, I agree the hype around Joe Burrow in the media has gone a little bit too much, but he has shown up, right? We can, like, for example. Yeah, he's a big game player. Like, he wins. Yeah, so. he wins. And honestly i i was saying you know i would still take josh allen over joe burrow basically up until last week right and, and then more. josh allen i don't feel like that argument i know it's one game but it's a big ass game and josh allen he basically choked i mean he didn't look good at all i mean it's um, head to head at home you gotta win that right literally i mean forget the snow forget all that you're at home you are the better team i think and until then i thought he was the better quarterback to be honest but in these kind of moments when you don't show up, it's very hard to defend someone like that, defend that kind of performance. I mean, it's, it's just one game. Like, on, like I'll let you keep One going. game in like, the worst like moment. Saying, don't read too much into it. It's just one game. Like, so, Joe Burrow is not suddenly, like, uh, like no. ha- he doesn't suddenly have a howitzer attached to his arm. Like, he I'm didn't not, get that reason, much better. The reason I'm not I would saying say, that. The reason I would say Burrow over Allen now is not only that one game. I think Burrow's had a better season. I think Burrow's a better decision maker. I think he doesn't try to go Superman on every single play. I think Josh has more tools as a quarterback, but I think Burrow's a better passer. Uh, he's He plays to the script, which, you know, sometimes can be bad. But, like, the fact of the matter is that Burrow won, right? And, like, you can say it's one game, but when, you have a, when you've had a better season and you've won head-to-head, that kind of seals. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fine with you putting Burrow yeah. over, over Josh Allen. I'm saying in no way is Burrow close to Patty as a quarterback, in my mind, no, no, just, no. even I, though he I had that one game. I don't agree with that, right? But... I was like, I would, I, I was saying that I think I would take Josh Allen over Joe Burrow, and I think Josh Allen has the better arm, honestly. But I agree with Ashwin. Burrow definitely makes better decisions, um, and we saw that because Josh Allen, what was like second or third leading the league in interceptions yeah. when the season. And but one thing I will say is I don't know if it'll ever come out, but if his elbow was actually hurt throughout the season, that could be something which may have played a factor. But I mean, you're on the field, so you got to show up, right? That's the thing about professional sports, but. I will say Josh Allen also takes a lot of unnecessary hits. Like he kind of just bulldozes everyone on those. I know I get you're a big guy, you're six five, whatever. I don't think it's that smart to continuously take those kind of hits when you're on those QB scrambles. But besides all that, Joe Burrow showed up right in a big moment on the road in the snow. So um, I'm not comparing him to Mahomes or anything, but that kind of that matchup, like how bad Josh Allen looked compared to Joe Burrow in that moment, kind of shocked me and gave me newfound respect for Burrow because, like Oshman said, he's been. Burrow's been winning these kind of games since he was in college, right? I mean, this guy was – he just – he was in the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah. I'll give the credit where credit is due, but I'm not at all saying he's like – I would take him over Mahomes. That's not at all what I'm saying. Yeah, so I would agree. Um, I really think there's like – now it's like tiers almost. Like, I, I don't even think it's worth ranking these guys because I think a lot of them are very similar, if that makes sense. Like, the way they play, like, each of them has their own unique style, but they're all good, right? Like – if you could take any of them on your team, I mean, you do it in a heartbeat. Right? Like, as much as I like Brock, yeah. Purdy, if I could put Josh Allen on the Niners tomorrow, I'd, oh yeah, I'd give up <laughs> I mean, a lot. That's... Yeah, like even Herbert. Like, for all the criticism I've thrown Herbert at times, like if you could get Herbert on the team, like you do it in a heartbeat, right? So, I think it's not even worth it to rank these guys. I think there's a clear number one. Like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. I don't think it's that close. I think he's gonna be the best quarterback moving forward for this entire era. Like he is the standard. Right after that, you got guys like Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Lamar. I throw, I put Lamar in that conversation personally. Hurts had a great year. Like, there's a lot of great quarterbacks, so uh, I think it's more worth it to put him in tiers and then rank like that. Uh, but yeah, man, like yeah. Patrick Mahomes is a class. Like, he is the class of the NFL, and there's no one really close to him in my eyes. One more thing I will say um, about the game: I think turnover differential is going to be a huge thing here. I think Chiefs are 
22nd in turnover differential compared to the Bengals, who are top five. Um, so I think if Mahomes throws a pick, that could be the game-changing moment. I really think it's going to be... That's what that's what changed kinda, it last year, right? Is like yeah, yeah. Turnovers, yeah. So the Bengals, I mean, their secondary has been okay this year. I mean, we all like to clown on Eli Apple, but I don't, I, I don't really like any of the Chiefs receivers as a number one guy, in all honesty. I mean, they have Juju, Scantling. They have uh, Kadarius Tony. Obviously, still the number one guy there is Kelsey, right? And Eli Apple's not matching up against fucking Travis Kelsey. So <laughs> I think it's basically impossible to stop Kelsey when he's over the middle. But if you can limit the rest of the guys and cause a pick outside of the numbers, that could totally flip the game here. So I'd say the Bengals win 28-25. Weird number. I'll say 24. But... um. It, I don't think it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a defensive game, but I think a turnover will decide this. And I think I kind of agree with Trace. This might go into overtime. I said 34-27. I think I'll change it to 31-27. I think it's gonna be that type of game. Four point game. You guys are picking the I'm picking the Bengals though. You I'll take the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. Trace, okay, so what about you? I'll take the Chiefs, like I said. Um as far as a score, I feel like it'll probably be It'll come down to the overtime. Like I said, I think it's going to be 35-31 in overtime. Okay, okay. Which which would mean the first team kicks a field goal, has to settle for a field goal, second team goes down the field, scores. Right, right. For sure, for sure, yeah. going to be a good, hopefully, championship weekend. I mean, I don't – I think if the Niners lose, I think I'm going to have a tough time watching this game, but we will see. We'll see how it goes. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? We could do like a little bit lock and fade. I was just going to do props on a fade for bets this week, but, um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Warriors talk or anything? <laughs> uh, the Warriors are not worth talking <laughs> about, bro. I mean, trade deadline's two weeks away, so that's the only thing. Kind of. I think the one thing with the Warriors is they, they have to make a trade, and if they don't make a trade, they're not serious about winning a championship. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking. I was talking to Shreyas about this yesterday too. I just don't. They were they were this record last year, same record, right? But for some reason, it doesn't feel like the same kind of struggles. Yeah, last year they were they started eighteen and two, right? Like no, but they they ended up like twenty three and twenty one at this time last year, right? Yeah. No, no, no. They were like well. No, they, the, the, maybe, Celtics, maybe, the, the maybe, Boston Celtics had the same record as we do yeah. last year Wait, right now. What did I see? I saw the something. thing with the Warriors is they ended the last like the last thirty games of the year last year five hundred, right? It's because Draymond was injured and then Steph missed the last month basically, obviously. Right. So, but dude, this is a different circumstance. Like, they're playing Anthony Lamb right now as the eighth man. Like, he's basically the third guy off the bench. That's ridiculous. Like, he's good. He can shoot threes, but like, he's a tiny. He's like six five and he plays the four and he can't defend like Draymond. And it's because they have no size in the roster. Is he only six five? He looks bigger he's than like six five. six at most. But they have no size. Like their tallest guy is six foot eight, Looney. You want a title winning? You, you want a title playing that way? It's not replicable again. I mean, they basically ran Looney to the ground last year, and it took a superhuman effort from one of the greatest players of all time. Like I, I get it. Like you know, you want to hang on to these young guys. I think only Kuminga and and Pool are worth hanging on to. I, I like Patrick Baldwin Jr. as well. I think he has some tools. But Moody, Wiseman, Rollins, they gotta go, man. Like at some point, like you have to accept that. Your two timeline plan hasn't worked the way you wanted to, and you can still have a second timeline with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins is only twenty seven, Kevon Looney is only twenty eight. Like you can still have a second timeline. Poole's twenty three, Kaminga's twenty. Like you can still have a second timeline, but there's a couple prospects that I just don't. I don't see it. Like I like Moses Moody, but there's no space for him on the roster. Wiseman just is- fucking sucks. So. <laughs> I think yeah, it's we time. Know, yeah. We know Ashman. It's not only that it's not only that he stinks, dude. It's like you need to be able to play, right? Like if he's always injured, then what's the point? Like Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, the thing is you can't blame him. You gotta you gotta blame the team for draft. They they drafted a player who was 19 years old, one of the rawest players in the draft, and we that's knew fine. that going yeah. into the draft. Yeah. I've, I've never blamed college I've games never, in entire I've never blamed career. him for one second. It's not his fault he's not good at basketball. I mean, like he was put it into a situation. No, but like his situation is like more important. Like, like, like for him to yeah, like if we're taking like Evan Vassell, Halliburton, like those, yeah, those guys, guys are ready playing to right now, right? Even exactly. Okongu, Okongu, I think could really help this team out, right? Like, Wiseman has played less games in three years than Greg Oden played. That's all you need to know about him. Okay, he's never available, and anytime there's an opportunity, anytime there's an opportunity for him to take minutes, Jermichael Green was out for three weeks. 
what happens in the meantime? He's in the G League. They bring him up when Green gets injured. Within a week, he's injured. He has an ankle sprain. He misses the next two weeks. Like, the guy has rotten luck on top of the fact that he hasn't developed. Like, I hate this conversation because it's it's so obvious what they have to do, but they're not doing it. And now you see reports today that Zach Lowe and, like, Ramona Shelburne, all these people talking about, like, the Warriors are not aggressive in the trade market. I just don't understand. And I don't think that they're that serious about winning a title. And they're going to say that, you know, like we have this core five players that we're paying so much money to. And if they can't get it done, they can't get it done. And we have to move on to our next era. So So I I think another brief thing is like Bob Meyer still hasn't, you know, signed the extension or they haven't even offered it. Right. So I think it looks like right now he's going to walk in the summer. And I was saying this in the chat too. I think if he walks, Draymond walks too. And in a, I think maybe a year think, or two, Kerr, maybe Kerr is gone as well. I think if he walks, that's just that's kind of signaling the end of an era, right? Yeah, like, definitely, definitely. No, I think if he walks, it's still over. Bob is 100% the architect of the And I said good riddance mainly because I don't think he's the greatest general manager ever. Like people hype him up to be. I think a lot of the moves he's made have been kind of obvious. The one move I will give him credit for is the Wiggins deal was masterful. It was masterminded. Yeah. It was a great deal at the time. A lot of people ripped it. But they got that trade done, and then on top of that, they got a Wiggins extension done as well. And they got him priced very appropriately for the next four to five years. So Bob is the architect, and I'm telling you, if he's gone, then that's the end of it, really. Definitely, I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah, the Wiggins deal was great. And I get that maybe it was a players that convinced him to join the team. But you're not even going to mention the fact that Bob Myers, while having three all-stars on the team, signed one of the greatest players in the world to play for that same team. I mean, it's I like Jerry West, though. It wasn't Bob who signed it. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry West, Steph Curry, and Andre Iguodala. And I mean, who who's the one that sat down with him and wrote the contract out? I mean, sure, fine. I think I think I give him more credit for Iguodala trade and for the uh, for the Wiggins trade. I just think the KD move was obvious, right? Like, you don't. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, if you hit an people open... do credit Jerry West for that move, though. Oh no, man! I was surprised. Like in hindsight, yeah, it was obvious, but. When he dropped that that article, I was surprised. I was I was shocked. I, I was, was surprised, but I'm saying for the Warriors, it was an obvious move to make. For KD, it was oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. I, but I think yeah. the dollar trade all those years ago that was beautifully done, like the way he constructed it to where it doesn't really affect the cap and allowed them to get Curry on a lower extension, kept Bogut on the books, and they were able to eventually get KD. Like the cap maneuvering that Bob has done through the years. Yeah, no, that, that was smart. Yeah. Right? Especially so, we we made that trade like right after he showed up big against us in the playoffs, which yeah. most teams wouldn't make a trade like that. Yeah, yeah. When he's in the- I just think I just don't understand what they're. I don't understand why he doesn't want to invest in these guys. Like, it kind of. I think this is more on Lake. I think Lake is saying Loki screw you to Bob. Yeah, and- it's not only screw you to Bob. I think the thing that pisses me off is I think it's a screw you to Steph Curry. Like, how many yeah. times do you get players like this, man? And if this guy like. We get an article two days ago from Marcus Thompson, who's like by far the most reputable source on the Warriors. Like he's tapped in. It's basically saying that Steph has gone repeatedly to the front office and asked them to make a trade. He's asking them to get like, we're not asking for a superstar here, man. We're asking for role players. Right. And like, I get it. Like in the playoffs, like you're going to play eight to nine guys max, right. At most, but you need to get to the, like you need to get in a good spot in the playoffs. You know what I mean? As a six seed, you're in a much tougher position. They're you only a game and a half back of the four seed, too. But they're also a game and a half up on yeah. 13, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that's how tight things are. And you can make those little on-the-margin moves to separate you for the rest of the season. If you can get to four, I have no problem picking the Warriors to win the title because I know the pedigree, and once they get there, what they can do. The problem is they're not putting in invest investment right now into getting there. Like, if they're in the play-in, God knows what's going to happen. Like, we saw what happened two years ago right that was a great that was a pretty bad roster but Steph was playing unreal but even he couldn't do much I don't think it's at that level yet but I agree it's more trending to that direction than it was from last year so we will see there's there's a a very clear path to where they can get right back to the title it's just a matter of whether they want to do it or not yeah yeah trade deadline in you know less than two weeks now so we'll keep an eye on it lock and fade um I'll take uh, for my lock. I'll say anytime touchdown. I think he has a big game on Sunday. Um, I'm feeling that for sure. I think he's the key to win this, or at least the run game overall. But I think he finds the end zone. He's found it. I think in ten of his last eleven games, if I'm not wrong. And then for my fade, I'll fade Miles Sanders over forty nine and a half. I think he goes under 
And I think if he goes over this number, the Niners have a problem because, you know, we're, we're such a great run defense. And I think that what you're good at, you need to stop because you're not going to be able to limit A.J. Brown and Devontae to that much. So at least where you can limit it. So Miles Sanders under 49 and a half rush yards. Uh, my lock and fades are going to be the over-unders. Um, I'm going to go over on the Bengals game. Uh, that's going to be my lock. And then my fade is going to be the over on the Niners game. So I'd go under there. Uh, the numbers are 48 for the Bengals-Chiefs game. I think, like like you guys said, I think there's a possibility it goes to overtime. In that case, I definitely would go over. Uh, 48 is like a 24-24 type game. I just think there's going to be more scoring than that. Uh, Niners game is at 46. So kind of around what we were saying, my prediction was 24-20. So that'd be under. Rohan's, if I remember, was 23-20. 21. 23-21. That'd be under as well. So, yeah, I would go under on the 49ers-Eagles game. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go back to the props. I'm actually going to say, um, I believe the line, so yeah, the line for Brandon Ayuk receiving yards right now is at um, 37 and a half. I'm actually going to take the under. Um, he's He's Yikes. been over. He's been over, um, I think, almost every game this year. But the reason I'm taking the under is because I think that on passing downs, the Eagles are going to try and limit him because he's been our playmaker down the stretch this year. And I feel like they're going to be good at it, which is fine, but we're going to be able to beat them other ways. Like we have Debo on the team. We got George Kittle. We got CMC. Um, so I'm not saying I'm taking the under because they're going to like completely blanket us, but I think they're going to blanket Brandon Ayuk specifically over the middle. Um, and then as far as my fade, um, I'd say, so I'd fade Jalen Hurts under whatever his rushing yard total is for this game. Uh, it's probably around 50. That's usually what, He's around, I think, in, in the playoffs. I think he's going to go over. So I'm fading the under um, because I think, you know, we can stop two out of the three of the Eagles running a game with their backs, the Eagles passing game with their receivers, and Jalen Hurts making off-schedule runs. I think we can only stop two of the three. And I think we're going to be fine with, I guess, letting Jalen Hurts beat us on the ground. That's what we're just going to have to be comfortable with. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't give up big chunk yardage to him doing that yeah the lines up 46 and a half so we will see we will see but obviously big game trip to the super bowl on the line thank you guys for joining us this is rohan signing off with ashman Trace for verse pod go niners go niners, go niners baby go niners <laughs>